Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Film Snobs. We want to apologize ahead of time if the audio quality is a little low because our blessed cookie cat for our series Cinema Cats chose to leave us and take his soundboard with him. So we're all recording on our iPhones right now. Ethan's crying. Leave, but leave Caleb hate mail. I'm just creating a sound barrier. Oh, nice sound barrier. Uh, fortunately for us, though, we just watched the brilliant film directed by James Gray, The Lost City of Z. For those of you who do not know, The Lost City of Z concerns an explorer named Percy Fawcett, who was once a part of the, or, well, most of the movie is part of the British military and gets commissioned to go to the Amazon to make a map. And as he's doing that, he discovers what he thinks may be a link to a lost civilization. That's right, The Lost City of Z. The film was directed by James Gray, famous for films such as Ad Astra, The Immigrant, and The Yards, one of the great directors of the 21st century, in my opinion. It stars Charlie Hunnam in a a very underrated performance that we might talk about. Uh, Sienna Miller. Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson. So it's a stacked cast and obviously shot by the... Nicole Kidman. No, that's Sienna Miller Parker. <laughs> it's not Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Parker thinks uh, she looks like Nicole Kidman, but that's up for debate. Um, shot by Darius Kanji, who's done things such as Anima and Uncut Gems. He's a genius. And you know what? I want to hear from each and every one of you. Oh, and also, this is a Cinema Cat movie for those of you thinking otherwise because not only is there a panther in the rainforest, but it's the main character's name is Percy Fawcett. And it also yes. co-stars Robert Cattinson and Tomcat Holland. So this is a Cinema Cat movie. I want from each of you, before we even get going, to, e- to give me one word to describe the movie and then your initial thoughts. No spoilies. Oh, and Dalton points at Ricky. Oh, yeah, I should say who I got with me. I got Ethan, I got Ricky, the regulars, and joining us are Dalton Phillips for probably 10 minutes or so, and then Parker Curry, the only one among us who's read the book. Welcome. Big, big stuff. Welcome, you two. How long is that book, by the way? Is that a big book? Uh, You don't have your phone in front of your Dalton, you got to have your phone up by you, bro. 300 pages or so? Big book. (laughs) (laughs) Dalton, I love when you come Very (laughs) detailed. Very detailed book. Well, I got pointed at, so I guess my word would be vanity. Whoa. Um, <laughs> like the closet. Yeah, there's a lot of closets. Like the closet. <laughs> um, my thoughts. So I, this is actually my second time watching the movie. I enjoyed it the first time, but I do think that the second time was even better. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by the fact that that was Carlton from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on the screen. Uh, Goodbye, Leonardo, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, starring in The Beach. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, we just watched the movie, so it's fresh on my mind. But the ending, at which I won't actually talk about, but it just really brings this movie home on my mind. And it's just, uh, yeah, heightens the whole experience, kind of brings it all together. And, um, yeah, I enjoy the rest of it. I think it's a great depiction of, I don't know, um, like, again, a man's, like, vain aspirations in life and i think it reaches towards something greater at the end so okay 
for some reason, the word ethereal came to my mind. I like it. Mm, good word. Um, yeah, five minutes into watching this movie, I realized I hadn't watched it. <laughs> yeah, Parker's and he's, he's like, oh yeah, I've seen it, and I've read the book. And we get five minutes in, and Parker's like, I don't think I've seen this movie. <laughs> Um, I think the, the book was vivid enough to make you feel like you were there. Um, and that's, that's where I thought I'd seen it. Um, but yeah, it, the, it does a good job of taking you through the sights and sounds of, of what the Amazon would, would be like. Um, and just imagining the uh, adventure down the river getting hunted by local Indians. The disease is that, and they didn't actually, I mean, they, they showed you briefly, it won several scenes, but the diseases that these guys carried with them, the experiences that they had sleeping in the forest um, was drawn out further in the book that, that made you, you know, wonder how on earth these guys made three different trips into the forest um, for that long too for that long it's, it's astonishing cause yeah making the movie they actually filmed all that stuff in Colombia, and the stories are crazy like there's a guy bitten by a viper uh, Charlie Hunnam the main guy there's a beetle that crawled into his ear and they had to figure that out there was malaria crocodiles all around sound and 100% humidity 100 degrees sounded about awful filming. to make while filming yeah, they're just in the rainforest filming it. Yeah, that would be terrible. Which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Dalton, you got a word, initial thoughts? It's a pretty generic word. I just thought it was pretty adventurous. But more so, my thoughts on it, two things come to mind. One is just kind of what Ricky uh, spoke to is the his the man's what was the man guy's name? Percy Fawcett. Percy Fawcett. <laughs> it it just reminds me um, so much of what I see uh, in the military and just in men in general. They become so fixated on if it's a career or an idea, and they kind of neglect their family um, in pursuit of that. But um, with that said. Something I also thought about, which is pretty interesting because it dealt with Indians and Amazon and whatnot. Um, if anyone's ever heard of the story of Jim Elliot mm-hmm. and the Shadow of the Almighty, that book that's on it. Um, anyway, I was a missionary uh, in Ecuador, and kind of when he would uh, stop and try to talk to the Indians and you know, appeal to them, or at least I tried to. It reminded me of Jim Elliott. Of course, he was he was slain. Yeah. Man. But uh, I saw it was interesting. I think you uh, hit something on the head with men there. With what? Just how it's, it, it's almost like he's an every man who can oh. stand in the place of things most, uh, I think, a specifically male problem but anyways before we get to that uh ethan what you got for us bro um i think my word's probably conviction Mm. i think he lived his life and pursued what he absolutely thought was the best thing maybe he was wrong in the end but 
I think there, I don't know, I think there was something admirable about the way that he, because he did, I mean, he did pursue this city for a lot of reasons, one of them being his own satisfaction, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to say that. But you can't deny his, um, the compassion he had for the Indians. Oh, yeah. And how he started to really see them as equals and mm-hmm. um, just opposed to the people in England who are like, they're savages, what are you talking about? I just really, that really stood out. This is my second time viewing it, and that really, I think, stood out to me this time was, I think the first time through, I really only saw his, his his attempts to go back to the jungle no matter what. Yeah. But I think this uh, time what stood out was the way that he actually was learning along the way and was like, oh, wow, these people are actually way more like me than I thought. That really stood out. All right. Jared? I guess that leaves me. Um, everyone quiet down because we got a five-star alert. Now you can be loud. Okay, we can be locked. What did you guys do this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my word is transcendent, I think. Mm. Um, in my opinion, this is an all-time great movie. I think it's one of the best movies of the 2010s, top five movie of the 2010s. Incredibly shot, structured perfectly. The performance by charlie hunnam is very underrated i I don't think people understand what he was trying to do with it and i think the last 15 minutes of this movie 15 20 minutes it's the only sequence where i've actually gone back and just watched a sequence of a movie multiple times uh usually i'll just like watch a movie again but i've but like before bed, I'm like, I want to go to sleep. I don't feel like reading a book right now. I don't want to watch a movie, obviously, because I want to go to bed. But <laughs> I could watch the last 20 minutes of this movie, and I'm just transported, and I have a lot of feelings. And I think it's a perfect sum up of – I think the whole movie is setting up for that last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It hits all the themes of the movie, it, and it's just glorious, perfect cinema. One of the greatest sequences I've ever seen. So, obviously, I have glowing reviews. So, going into it, let's start breaking it down a little bit. James Gray is the director. I think he's one of the... He's the most fascinating interviewee of all time, by the way. If you go up and go to YouTube or podcast and listen to interviews with James, James Gray about this movie or any of his movies, dude's brilliant to listen to. So, James Gray, if you're listening... We'll ask you anything about anything. We'd love to have you on on the the pod. Come on the pod, James. But he talks a lot about how he is a filmmaker that is drawn to narrative or stories. He loves experimental stuff, but he's like, I work in narrative because I can do two things at the same time. I can have a literal text where everything you can say, this happened, and this means this. But then there's always a subtext to that narrative. And so seeing as there's three journeys he goes on, I want to maybe explore three themes that James Gray has openly said shows up over and over again in his works, if you go over them. The first being uh, Father and Sons, which he deals with a lot, Ad Astra, I mean, obviously. And this movie opens up with Charlie Hunnam shoots a stag, which is pretty cool of him. And then... We find out that his father was a drunk and a gambler, and 
right away we have motivation for the whole movie. So I just want to know what you guys picked up on, father-son-wise, in this. Or if you didn't. <laughs> like, specifically between Percy and his own father? Percy and his own father, or and then how that translates to him being a father to his son right. in Tom Holland's right, right, character. Right. Well, I think what was interesting is whenever they they tell him, you know, this could also be a chance for you to to reclaim your name. Uh, we knew your father. And he's like, I didn't know him. <laughs> it almost dismisses it. Uh, but but that also ignites for him this internal like, whoa, maybe this is the way that I can separate from my own father's legacy and then have my own and be who I want to be. Because he's so concerned that he doesn't have medals. Going, in, going into that first whatever event it was. Gotta get those medals. <laughs> And he's like, how am I going to get this now? And it was just not, he didn't really enjoy it at first. But then when it was, they appealed to his sense of legacy and you can restore what your father did. It was like shift for him. Like, okay, I'm doing this. That was really interesting. Well, what was it before the second time he left the conversation with his wife? Um, they were snuggling in bed and then he said something of like, I have to go back. And she was like, are you kidding me? And he was like, I'm not done with exploration and I mean it's like at that point he's like mission of one finding the city but two finding like their family not name but yeah in a sense I think yeah. uh, that wasn't finished it does make I, me wonder if he would have would want gone after it so hard if his father had been alive I know, I don't think so. To give him a sense of, like, you are good, you're enough, you're loved. I just wonder what would have happened. It sounds like his father wouldn't have been that if he was alive, though. Sounds like his father was kind of a bad dude. Well, like, but, like, if he had a good dad, would he have felt the need to prove himself? Oh, no way. And I think that's what's sad, because then I think he ultimately becomes a bad dad also, because he's trying to, like be the opposite of his other bad dad without realizing what a good dad actually looks like, which isn't status, but it's just being there, I think. Do you think he ends a bad dad? I think that the like I his acting definitely switches to like a, like how he talks is more like serene and yeah. um, almost like I don't want to say spiritual, but like heightened in that way. Uh mm-hmm. calm maybe. Yeah. Um and so I think I don't know. It's complicated. I think that's like I, I would actually define this whole movie as like filled with half truths. Like everything is like kind of true, but for the wrong reason, or like spoken in the wrong way. And so I think kind of at the end, but not fully. Like I don't think it shouldn't. He shouldn't have taken him there in my mind, but I think he did the right thing when they were there and said the right things in that situation. I got the sense that he. He wanted to relate to his son in a better way than he he did with his own dad, but he didn't know how. And toward the end of the movie, when they were together, potentially about to die, they he was in a setting where he felt most <laughs> comfortable with his son. Mm. And so you kind of saw, in the best way he knew how, um, how to relate to the son uh, in that moment because they were both in it and mm-hmm. what he enjoyed 
um, pursuing. Um, they were in that together. And so I just don't think he knew how to um, do it because he didn't learn it from his own dad. Uh, relate to his own son. Yeah, and for those of you listening who haven't seen the movie, I mean, Percy Fawcett goes to the Amazon for a couple years while his son's really young, comes back, his son's like a couple years older, goes back again. So the, the son, there's a bit of a strange relationship because he's periodically gone every so often. And I think when he returns from that second trip is very telling of his stance with his kids where he comes back and he's like afraid to like give the disappointing news to his kids that he failed on his mission or is like... Mm. I don't think they're going to be bummed that he came back. Right. Like he's gonna, they're going to be pumped that he's there, not bummed that he failed his mission. Like, yeah, I don't care. Right. So I think that just shows like his disconnect on like how he thinks his like family sees him versus like what they actually like desire. Yeah, there's some interesting shots that James Gray does where before his first journey, his son's sleeping in the crib and literally his father's shadow overtakes him. And then later in the movie, so it's like the kid's always got that, which is interesting because he's doing, he's doing what he's doing because he's trying to make up for the family name that he lost because his dad ruined their family, even though they're living pretty good, but in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then later in the movie, Tom Holland is shooting a rabbit at the beginning of the third act, I would say which is how the first act began with Charlie Hunnam shooting a stag, like right. trying to find some way of dominance or conquering or finding mm-hmm. a place in the world um, and having some kind of control. And it's interesting because he does that, and then in the background, all of a sudden, Charlie Hunnam, the dad, Percy Fawcett's character, is there looming, um, very small, silhouetted, mm-hmm. and almost just watching his son become his former self. And I think that was... And right after that is when they have a conversation where... His son's like, I want to go to the rainforest like you did. So it's almost like once Tom Holland became a man, now Charlie Hunnam has gone through the experiences of life and is able to relate to his son, where Charlie Hunnam reached that point, Percy Fawcett reached that point and had no one. Yeah. Also, I, I just thought of the scene in, uh, after the war, he's got his whatever on his eyes. Oh, yeah. He started crying under, his, under that, and his son saw that, and you, you wonder if... At that moment, something clicked. Mm. Yeah, I think there's multiple times or multiple things that humili- his being humbled or humiliated or just be- everything taken away from him marks a change in how he <laughs> well, <laughs> handles himself the rest of the movie. See, I, that's interesting yeah. you say that. At least I perceive. See you, Dalton. See you, bro. Bye, Dalton. Bye, Dalton. See you, go. Um, I perceive that as very momentary though. Like I didn't see long-term change. It was like at his deepest point, he realized what he, like what was right in front of him just to like, once hope was restored, he again, just forgot it in an instant. How do you forget it? Like when he was, a, when he thought he was going to die on the first, uh, journey. And then he like looks back at his family and like sees what he's like, he would lose like when he was hopeless. And then once he had hope of Z finding Z again, he just doesn't. Hmm. see what's in front of him he kind of ignores I disagree because the only reason he did that again was because of his son I'm talking from the first journey to the second oh yeah that makes and sense like, and I think he still had that longing and I think they, they even kind of show it as he looks pretty like depressed that he was 
sitting at home living the family lifestyle and not out journeying yeah and that was his right. that was his desire and it never wasn't his desire mm-hmm. and i think he was unable to see again what was right in front of him up until the like the last moments of his life i think i see i, I disagree i think he got it after world war one hmm I think because he didn't want to go back until his son said we should go back. And then he's like, oh, I'm going back. And now I can actually be the father to my son Interesting. in a way that I wasn't able to before. And now I have a chance to redeem that. And I thought it was interesting that the mother didn't really fight back. She fought back in the sense that any mother would in terms of it's a dangerous journey. Whereas on the other journey, the second one, they had a, you know that big argument about like, what are you doing? And. What about all the years that I was just trying to raise these kids and all that kind of stuff? But yeah, there was a sense of like clarity on that last one of they're doing this together. It's a family thing. They're all on board. The 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 cost has been counted. Now they're going to go. Yeah. And it's just tragic. It is. But, it is. I would I, say I, not at the same time, but But I would also say that she also tried tried to change the course of her husband's mind before and it didn't really work and so yeah that's true at the the end was kind of like he's gonna do what he's gonna do like he wants to go i'm not gonna stop him like because she couldn't (laughs) in the past which there's i think some of her own achievement that she can get which is little unfortunately and what like that moment in life as a woman i think was then had to be tied to like her husband's achievement and she took some I got a little pride in that. I which guess. which leads into our second theme. I would like to explore. Um, we could go on the father son thing for another twenty minutes. I bet. But uh, is this theme of hierarchy, or being boxed in, or class deciding your destiny? In a sense, Percy Fawcett is definitely someone who feels like he is not enough to start the movie and he's striving and striving for more recognition for higher class and I think that's the second thing that's driving him you've got Sienna Miller's character the wife who is boxed in wants to join her husband in the Amazon but she's a woman and so she can't Um, what did you guys glean from this movie about that? If anything, it's not worth it. <laughs> Say what? That, pursuing that kind of status and. Um, I think we say that with the knowledge of 21st century. Right. Like we, we don't have a clue. Yeah. The unknown. And that's a totally different uh, pursuit nowadays than, than back then. Yeah. They're, 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 they're charting maps back then. Right. Yeah, there was no Google sense. Earth, they, they didn't have any of that. And they, uh, discovering the, what they just didn't know about, I can totally understand that alert. Right. Do you feel like a large part of your life, though, is dictated by the box you were born into, in a sense, or the class you were born into? Totally. Um, but I also think that with the with the movie comments on that front is, is even if that's one of his initial motivations i think you see the hierarchy the 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 british have this perspective of of you know they're refined they're they know how to live they're civilized and they because they never go visit the savages really 
um, or spend time with them, they all they will only see them as that. But because Percy has had the experience of of being a bridge to the savages, um, sees them that as people, what they really are. He even is able to to see everyone as people. Because even if you have a high view of others, you're really not seeing them as people. You're seeing them as a means to achieve what you want. And you're missing both. Everyone becomes an object of gain in, in, or in some way or another in a hierarchy system. Till you get the experience of being on the other side yeah. and making the relational investment of I'm going to invest in these people or at least try to make myself known and know them which just just I think that was a huge shift in his mind I was like oh these people these people can now actually lead me and so even if he still has this broken motivation of like I've got to do what it takes to find this city you can't deny that he's so willing to learn from these people to that end because he thinks this because this could be a huge uh, moment for humanity globally yeah See, I, I, I don't know if I'm fully on board with that, though. I feel like he uses that front to almost, like, virtue signal his way to achievement in life. Like, he used that as, that as a means to gain achievement, and I don't necessarily think he actually cares all that much about the, the, the goal of... Well, he's not trying to be a white savior. No, I think he just wants to be written in the history books as making this big discovery. I don't think he ultimately really cares all that much. And it's like this kind of virtue thing of, you know, like, I, I, I do know what's right and I'm going to... I don't think so. I think yeah, you can have both at so. this. I, don't, I think you can have both at the same time. Right. I, I think like, you can be obsessed about a thing you're trying to achieve, but also while you're doing that, realize that's what, that's what happened in the, at the last sequence when it's shown the pictures. He's like... I love coming back to these people because it reminds me that we're all made of the same clay. Yeah, so he's think- so like he's recognizing in this class system, I've been striving so hard to get this recognition and these medals and these things. And early on, maybe that could have been the case. But at the end, he's like, that doesn't matter. We're all the same. And, right. and like my recognition doesn't matter. My ambition even doesn't matter. Yeah, I think right. that comes true in the third journey. But all the other ones and all his talking, all his speeches, I think has like even I think the most like telling to me is when he's laying in bed with his wife and he's like, oh, like I got to I got to save the world. I got to make this big discovery. It's so important. And I don't, it's, it reminded me of like in Licorice Pizza when uh, Alana like is like, I'm, I'm doing politics now. Like I'm enlightened. <laughs> I know what I'm I'm saving the world. And it's like this kind of self-importance. And I, I, I just, I think, again, it's a half-truth. I don't think it, I think there is some goodness there, but I think, the, like, the motivation truly is about himself and his pride. Yeah, but if that's, that doesn't mean he doesn't see something, even if, like, his motivation's not to... It's not one-dimensional. No. No, I don't I think so. motivation was is... one-dimensional, though. I mean... Yeah, kind of, that's what you just no, said. No, I said a half... Tr- I was saying, like, it's, like, 50-50, but I think there's, like... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Parker, to our <laughs> philosophical discussions on the podcast. <laughs> hey, James, uh, if we do the interview, you can answer the question, who's, is, who's got it right? Or well, do think, we all get it ultimately, wrong? Ultimately, the one thing I disagree with what you said, I think he does care about the indigenous people. I, I was not saying he does not care. I, you did I'm, say that. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Moving saying on. he's using that primarily to serve himself. See, that's a, that's, is, but primarily that's the thing that I've got issue with. I don't know if it's necessarily primarily. 
I think that in every single conversation he has with people along his journey, he is using them as tools, not for the greater good first, but for his own achievement and his own strive for like reaching like achievement. And I don't, that's what I don't we've talked about the beginning. That. That yeah, I actually very much disagree I don't think with I that. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, all right. And I think that's why he's be able to be so good with his wife, even though there is some tension there because he can see beyond that. Yeah, because she she even says that she's like, I know that you know we're equal in intelligence, and he's like, Yes, we are, but it, physically we're different, right? So I think he does. He he has a more, if I dare say the word, uh, egalitarian view of people than yeah, than most of the people around him. I think him. he's if you wrong dare there too. The I'm not an egalitarian theologically, but whatever. <laughs> but I think he's wrong there in terms of like how he talks to his wife. I think it's like ha- again half truth. Like he's like yeah. telling her you can't come for, like is I think the right thing to do, but he gives the wrong reasons for it. But can't they both be right at the same time with? different reasons i don't know if it's necessarily half truth like he is physically more able to do that than her maybe half truth is not the right word he is saying the right thing for the wrong reasons maybe i think you're too hard on him um another thing that boxes people in is individuals i think uh what do you guys make of i mean i love the performance of whatever his i forget his name in the middle act who's holding the whole group back Murray. Murray. Yeah. He is so good. Murray, I think. And James Gray is infamous because his movie, The Immigrant, which is incredible. You should all go see it. Hmm? Angus. Yeah. Angus McFadden. That actor needs to be in more stuff. Wow. Angus McFadden. But uh, James Gray is notorious because The Immigrant, one of his best movies, in my opinion, was uh, buried by the Weinstein Company and Harvey Weinstein. So I think there is a lot of personal um, (laughs) investment to this section because the first time I watched this movie, I actually really didn't like the second journey because it bothered me so much that he was holding them back. Mm. But now I kind of get that. And Mm. he's just like, sometimes certain people can hold you back so much that this thing you want to achieve so badly, it it can't happen. that's, That's tricky. That's a hard one. Happens in ministry, too. See, and I think that he's an example of either you die trying to achieve it or you live long enough to become, like, the like kind of shell of a man that that guy is. Yeah. If you're, like, so driven to achieve this thing that's kind of unachievable. I don't think he was, he was... He wasn't driven... T- but there's a difference between Percy and Murray, though. Percy w- wanted to find the city, and he wanted to validate... Uh, the native peoples even, where Murray just wanted the recognition. Yeah, I guess right. I, I'm more saying like you fail long enough and like he kind of just like you might, you probably give up on that to some degree and maybe just become that kind of like shell. Yeah. I don't know. That guy though. Yeah, I think compa- yeah, compared to Murray, like he I think is the truest definition of like selfishness and trying to get what he wants literally from other people like at least percy's willing to put in the work (laughs) himself and lead this group into danger and do it himself versus trying to get other people to do it and he's just along for the ride yeah but talk about half truths if you want to use that word he he does confront percy percy saying right 
you don't care about these people. All you care about is this lost city. And there is a sense of that that's true. Yeah. But but at the same time, when he gets to the point where they have to turn around because the rations are ruined, because he's like, I just found more evidence. We got to keep going. He's willing to leave to yeah, protect sure, his men. Is it to protect his men or he would die also? Nah, it's more about he, the men. I think he's okay with dying at that point. Yeah. I think it was totally fine. I think you, you're giving this guy a bad rap, no, Ricky. I, I don't think, think you like Percy. He almost, you know, when they're in, they're in, he's in between those big, like, cliffs, God. rocks, things, and they almost drown. Have some compassion, man. He's like, we gotta keep going. <laughs> he's willing to die for this. Yeah. At that point, I think. I, I just think they, that they convince him of the reality of the situation to the point where, like, he kind of has no choice but to turn around. I, 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 I think that what, he, what Marie that says that to his face is the, true. And that, he wasn't like, delusional. What Murray said to his face is true, though, and I think he chooses to ignore that pretty much. And that's what I mean. I think he like just that it wasn't true. Him tells him who he is, and he chooses to ignore it. Who else around him tells him that? You have to, you have to remember that this, they were actually in the Amazon. Like this isn't just a story. They yeah, were right. In the Amazon rainforest, starving. And realizing how many thousands of miles they had already come. Right. Had to go all the way back. This was a real um, gut check of like, can we, are we going to die out here or do we want to go back? And th- I mean, that's like, as we're, as we're talking about this, this is, it's not just a story. That's, that's what right. blows me away. Um, so you, you see this and you're just like, wow, I can't imagine being in those shoes. And you read the book, right? Yeah. And they didn't he go like seven times instead of three times? That's crazy. Wow. Well, that's what was crazy. I totally forgot that World War One was in between all that, and it was something like ten years mm-hmm. in between. And you see his kid grow up, and him just like change as a man and like get out of shape, um, like jungle shape. Physical <laughs> jungle shape. <laughs> I'm out of jungle New shape. Standard jungle shape. I'm now in war shape. <laughs> that yeah, it's it's. I, I don't know. I just can't imagine that, that one the time it takes to like get across the ocean to actually get into the right. into the forest. To I mean, you're talking months at a time. Just to get there. Just to get there. Yeah, like we're not. They're not flying there. They're taking steamships that take you know, two to four weeks to get across the ocean. It's bonkers. Before you even get to the Amazon. Yeah, they're talking about how sucky it was filming, and they're like, how did people come do this for years? It'd just be miserable. Just constantly film like you're... You'd have to have the conviction to, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. How do you do that? You can't. It's next level. I wouldn't, couldn't. Um, let's go to journey number three. So theme number three, we talk about some fathers and sons, talk about some boxes. Um, I think maybe the primary theme of this movie is, in a sense, man's search for meaning or purpose or uh, his reach exceeding his grasp, in a sense. So just after watching this, did... Percy's reach exceed his grasp and should he even have tried for that Hmm. there's a little poem at the end or a little letter at the end that Sienna Miller's character reads in the dream sequence and she's like searching for knowledge is its own reward 
a man's reach should exceed its grasp, or else what's heaven for? So let's go phrase by phrase, because I think that's the movie. Um, is searching for knowledge its own reward? 100%. Why? <laughs> you got this. Just like, what are we searching for? What are we doing? If we're not, I don't know, if we're not uh, stretching our minds, stretching our spirit, in a sense. I mean, his spirit was connected to that forest, and it's like right. it longed for something more than what he could physically, you know trudge through um, and as, as humans I think we do that as well even in mundane things oh yeah I, yeah I think it it's I maybe amend it by like it is your reward um, seeking knowledge is its own reward but it's not necessarily the best reward or it's not the reward that really gives you everything like you'll always want more of it. Like it's mm. it's it's a bottomless well it, that does give some. Like there is some reward. There is thing, things that keep us going for that. But I think it it, ne- it won't ever truly satisfy that deepest longing. I think. But but then it's like he does seem. I, I love the line that he tells his son because it sounds like we're gonna die. We're gonna die. Like, oh yeah, that's nothing's oh. gonna happen to us. That's not part of our destiny. Like, all the knowledge he did attain led to that conclusion. So I'm like, okay, that's... And on some level, he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, does, it is helpful, or, for doesn't sure. Doesn't he say whatever happens is part of our destiny? Something like that. I don't know the exact yeah, language. I yeah, I think... James Gray's an atheist, he says. He's lapsed Catholic, but... There is something I'm going to, I think that is inherently Christian about this idea that he's trying to get at where if we are searching for the knowledge of God and searching for that relationship, we don't need the accolades of other people. We don't need our status to increase. We don't need more money. We don't need more power. And that's what Percy's realized in his journey he's like those are the things that motivated me in journey one and journey two i wanted accolades in the first one he just wanted his rank to increase in the second one he's like i need to prove my theory is true because i told all these people i have this theory and then all all of a sudden have the recognition i deserve and journey three he's like i just want to know for my sake now like i just want to know um and that's what he's tells his son too he turns to his son right before they're about to die all around the fire and he's like i forget exactly how he words it but like we have come on this journey and we have understanding now and that's all that matters basically like even if no one else knows man how cool how great is it that we know how great is it that, which is why I think he redeems himself as a father because he's like, not only do I know it, I was able to bring my son on this journey. And yes, in a, I did have to leave father and mother, leave family behind to find this. 
but this thing is so transcendent that I'm happy that I did. I thought it was funny that one of the Indians is like this Christian. He calls it he like oh, that's so good too. <laughs> this Christian's not one of us, but he's not one of them. So let's find a place for his spirit. And then it's just oh, it's so sad at that point. Which totally fits into the box thing, too, because right. he's like, I don't feel like I fully belong in either world, really. And I definitely relate to that sentiment where I'm like, especially with what some Christians represent, what I would call myself a Christian as when you see things like Christian nationalism and right. people misrepresenting the name of Jesus. And it's like, I'm not one of them. But I'm not one of them either, so what box can you put me in because I don't feel like I belong in whatever person has for this definition of this thing. And somehow he had this aura where it's like, no, he's not just like one of that box. It's interesting. Yeah. Should a man's reach exceed his grasp? I think yes, because that proves the vanity of this existence in a way you're never gonna be fully satiated in this lifetime i guess did he do that in the movie what did his reach exceed his grasp or did he get it i mean that depends on i think his original reach yes but i think he realized at the end that what he was reaching for was something different and i think it's not quite on this side of death isn't it kind of vain to reach beyond something that you can attain? Well, it depends on how you think about it. Because <laughs> on some level, I think it does... He his Clearly, I mean, it's, this movie came out in, what, 2016? Yeah. Like, there's some sense of his legacy that has endured. Yeah. And his, his lost city was kind of found. Like, was it a city? Who knows? But this whole network, this whole thing that he was searching for... Had he the technology, he may have found it, but there's there was still enough of a influence that people still pursued this thing that he was pursuing. So I think in some level, that's best case scenario. Is I think that's musicians, that's artists, that you they want what they're doing to exceed their current generation, their current view of things, and so that people can still. Yeah, build on those things yeah but i would also argue most artists i'm not gonna say all uh would say they probably all reach to something they can never fully grasp and that's sure. why they keep making art is to try and reach perfection but you're never going to reach perfection on this side of death unless it's the last 15 minutes of this movie but <laughs> <laughs> um but i think that in a way he reached it in terms of you could say that what he was looking for, if it was for like paradise, I, I, I don't, I think he found it in a spiritual sense, maybe like, like the compass, I guess is telling to me like that kind of saying he found it, right. He found Z. Right, and so it wasn't right. the finding of the actual Z. It was finding of something like, I, I think what he was truly searching for in his heart was at least how I read that like compass mm-hmm. at the end there. I also think that them finding the tribe and they're like warring and killing each other and they kill him is also he actually found what he was looking for, which is they're just like the white men who just came off of the bloodiest war <laughs> in the history of humanity yep. and killing each other. And so it's not, again, this paradise on earth. Nope. It's, he found uh, more people that are, some are great and nice and share their right. food with them. And some are killers and they war just like all of humanity, I guess. 
I thought I just thought of when you don't know if he makes it there, but it's kind of it's, it's sort of like heaven. You don't you don't you don't know if somebody made it there, but you get necessary clues. Yeah. But it's just like you you hope they made it there and you think they right. made it there. Yeah. And that's how we think of him. And it's like so you think of you know anyone that's gone to another land, literally, figuratively. Yeah. Whatever. No, I think that's part of the key because he could have just ended it at a man's reach should exceed its his grasp and ended it there, but adds at the end, or else what's heaven for? So it's like we should all be reaching for heaven, and like mm-hmm. Percy's like on this earth trying to find his means to attaining that, and. Some might say he's unsuccessful, but as he's trying to gain that, he finds it in his death. Which like, because perfectly, you can't experience it now because we're on earth. We're not in heaven, but you're, you're still, I'm imperfect. I'm going to be imperfect till I die, but I'm reaching for that heavenly, perfect which, life in a sense. Which is what I was trying to get at least is like, he was, what he was originally striving for, he ultimately doesn't get. But I think what no. he was truly, his heart was searching for, he did find in the end. Yeah. What I'd say, I guess, why isn't that heart of every human being, I guess, in my mind. But Yeah. And he got to experience it with his son, which is interesting. Whether his son understood it, I couldn't quite understand. <laughs> right. Tom Holland was like, um, Dad, we're going to die. <laughs> um, I, so I wanted also, I guess, I, you know, you touched it. I, I guess, like, the whole idea of striving for perfection. And as you know, oh. Christian is like, I, I think that's also unattainable. So that re- but you still reach for it. That's still what you're reaching for in this life, even though you know you're not going to get it on this side of heaven. Yeah, it's, it. The movie does an incredible thing of somehow getting deep into my soul of like what is the purpose of my life and finding a way to symbolically represent that in a way I've never seen a movie do. As far as like the yearning matching the motivation matching the purpose and all of those kind of coalescing to who am I as a person and what am I, <laughs> what am I striving for and what are my motivations for that? Right. If that makes sense. You guys have any, um, favorite shots? I mean, I guess this is the like stare. I think you even shout out to the movie. I just love the cut of the, the like whiskey flowing to the left and then cuts to the train. <sighs> just a good. great cut. But, um, yeah, that one stands out. It stood out. I was like ready for it when it came the second time. <laughs> you like see the whiskey start to trickle and are like yeah it's gonna be a train Let's in a go. second <laughs> uh, uh, may that be my favorite but it's the first that came to my head was when they in the first journey they were on the boat and they see the waterfalls for the first time come around the corner and they, uh, it was a symbolic moment that they made it um, after just being attacked and However long a period of time had gone by between that and arriving. By the way, um, they shot it in the rainforest and all with natural light. Be- they didn't have any lighting setups other than fire just because they couldn't. Wow. So that's And it's it shot great. on 35 millimeter yeah, film, great. so wow. I don't know how it's pretty impressive. That is impressive. I'm sorry, I have an actual like proper shot favorite. I just thought of <laughs> Okay. Um, 
The flashy one came first, but I love the one she uh, when the wife of the very end walks down the stairs and walks into the jungle. I want to talk about that. So uh, yeah, we can talk about it later. But that was I. I really no. Let's talk okay. about it now. It's a favorite shot. What do you think that means? So at the I, end, for those, yeah, she walks down, exits this room, but in the mirror, what she's exiting into is the jungle, and there's a fire below it, almost as if I don't know if like his presence or that heavenly mm-hmm. rainforest journey that they went on right at the end she's also on Uh, i guess i interpreted it as like a reflection of what this life is kind of for all of us which is us exploring through a jungle to find purpose or meaning in the world and so she's going back out into the jungle to continue to look for it even though maybe her husband and possibly son did already finish that journey but that's kind of a journey we're all on as at least how i read that yeah, it's interesting if you watch where when he comes back after the second journey, the house she lives in with the family is very overgrown, weeds everywhere, mm. green crawling up the walls of the house. It's almost like she's mimicking her husband where she's boxed in. He's boxed in in his own ways. She's boxed into the fact that she can't go join him in the Amazon, but she's still in her own rainforest journey looking for her form of transcendence even though she can't go find the actual lost city and i think when she's coming down the stairs and going into that jungle it's almost like she's doing she's reached the exact same point he has and i think that's why the fire is there too because Hmm. she's not striving for anything other than the knowledge and the heaven at least that's how I take it, but it's such a good shot, though. Good shot, Ethan. You got a fave? Oh, shoot! I have, I don't know. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me was whenever they're being carried off at the end, um, where he's kind of Percy's really giving himself <laughs> over to whatever this thing that's happening to them is, and the the son follows suit ultimately has to and they're just being kind of carried off literally it's like this is it their destiny is no longer in their own hands um and just the yeah i think that's where it hits the transcendent piece of like this is not this is more than me because i think i think it was interesting that percy wasn't in that moment fighting like no i gotta find this city let me go let me go you know he just is like he just surrenders to it. I thought that was really amazing, actually. Yeah, there's so many to choose from. I'm going to go with the, at the beginning, near the beginning of the third act, third journey, where they're on the train and they're going by. And it's a couple shots, but it's, mm. the, the, it's like the train is going by the family in bed. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. transcendent. Their journey's transcendent for them, but it's, Ultimately, they're having to leave behind them. So it's tragic mm-hmm. for the mom and the other siblings that are being left behind. But that, just that shot, like, yeah, I'm on a journey. I have to find this transcendent thing. And I actually think, theologically, it's okay to leave behind family to find God and then try to go back and find, help them get there, obviously. But just, it's such a good visual representation. As you're on it, sometimes you just have to go by them to find what you need. Yeah. So good. 
Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? I want to argue great. some more. Yeah, Ricky uh. was fighting tonight. <laughs> Dem, was great. Dem was fighting words. Well, guys, we everyone. Fight more offline. Parker, any other gleanings from the book we have or not? No, I would encourage you to uh, read it or I've listened to it. Um, and that made it even more interesting. Sure. That's cool. Visually, it's an incredible. Uh, I guess imagine it, imaginatively, it's an incredible book. Um, and after seeing the movie, you, you just have a, uh, a palette of scenes to pick from when you're listening to his adventures. Because uh, I think in the, in the book, he's, and in real life, he was uh, much more of an animal and much more of a warrior than they painted him in the movie. Oh, mm. there's one more thing I want to talk about. Charlie Hunnam. Thumbs up, thumbs down, mediocre. No, I think it's great. Thumbs uh, up. Oh, yeah. I think he does this thing. He considered it, at least in the interviews for City of Z, he said, at this point, it's the best perform. It's the performance I'm most proud of in my career. Mm. And I think people were expecting something a little more obsessive or a little more yeah, eccentric. I, he, I think it was very understated. Yeah. Which I liked it. There's a little bit more nuance. In his performance, I think. It was nuanced, and I think it's very easy for someone to place themselves in his place, almost like he's a placeholder for... Mm-hmm. You don't think so, Ricky? I think he very much can be that way. I, I didn't... I did not... I saw him as someone I ultimately struggled to, I guess, fit in, like, relate to, which is not a bad thing to me in films, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, in that way I, and hi, whatever I don't want to get into it there's I wouldn't say I don't relate to him at all but yeah 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 just yeah. hard to sympathize Robert, with. Robert Pattinson also is great in this I love him yep he's great alright guys well have a good week hopefully next week we'll have Mike's back <laughs> and we're gonna end our it's his pick yeah Caleb's pick it's Caleb's pick I think he's doing secondhand lions it's hard to say okay we'll see hard if he say. shows up we'll see if he shows up <laughs> I right. thanks for the edit, Eric. Oh, at some point you have to put in the uh, Maurice Ravel's Daphne at Chloe. That piece of music at the end is one of the best pieces of music I've ever heard. So do that, Eric. Daphne at Chloe. Thanks, Eric. Sweet number is... two or number eight? I don't remember which one. Sorry, this is a lot, but yep, you got we it. Love you. Thanks, Parker. <laughs>